Oh, hello, and welcome to Coworked Episode 3. Glad to have you here. How you doing? How is everybody? What's going on? What's new? What's the haps? Uh, yes, I said what's the haps. I am a dad, I am a little corny, and I'm not going to apologize for it. But for real, how is everybody, huh? Everybody ready for that spooky season? Mm, Halloween, right around the corner. We're halfway through September, so it's basically Halloween. Uh, I have not put out my Halloween decorations yet, but that will be happening very soon. I'm a big Halloween guy. Gonna be watching a lot of spooky movies. Very excited, very excited. How about you? You doing anything for the fun Halloween season? Dressing up, going trick-or-treating, going to some haunted houses? You know, live it up. Tis the season, tis the time. Do it. Speaking of spooky season and haunted houses, uh, very excited about my guest today. You know him as a host and creator of BuzzFeed Unsolved, also one of the great minds behind Watcher, and his current show, Ghost Files, Season 2, is out now. It gives me so much joy to introduce my third guest, Mr. Ryan Bergara. Just FYI, Ryan did have to record this on Zoom without an additional microphone. He had some things going on, so the sound quality might sound a little different, but the interview is very fun. I'm very excited for you all to hear it. Here's Ryan. We all live saw each other today at the picket line. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Kate was at, at Disney and she texted me. She was like, I just ran into Mari. So so that was cool. Oh, yeah, Mari. Um, yeah, Mari was in Burbank today. I yeah. I think I might go to Radford next week. Yeah. Um, would you ride on your, on your sign? Did you have uh sign anxiety uh, i i did have a little sign anxiety on friday i didn't end up writing anything because i was like too i was too anxious about it uh kate got <laughs> one today that already had something written on it um so when i go whether tomorrow or whatever i go out again this week uh and i'm gonna get a blank sign and i'm gonna be real nerdy about it and i'm gonna just write you want to get nuts all right let's get nuts <laughs> Is there anything you want to like? You want to talk about Ghost Fire? Anything? I like to. I like to get people to the the promotion part <laughs> first. I just right out the gate. Yeah, I guess that that's the only thing I grew to think of is uh, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're you're thinking of going to see us on tour, we're going on tour to do uh, live Ghost Files episodes. And if you don't know what Ghost Files is, I'm I'm curious why you're listening to this podcast. But yeah, Ghost Files is a show where I hunt ghosts uh, with a tall idiot and, um, it's a lot of fun. And TJ worked with us on the first season of ghost files. And then, uh, not this one. Well, not this season, but the first season of ghost files, <laughs> he worked on a fair amount of the episodes, I believe like what, all like, but one, all but the all last but one, one. Right. Yeah. yeah uh, it was just then, wasn't uh, there for the last one. And then, uh, and then obviously TJ worked with us all on uh buzzfeed unsolved, which is another That's show true. we did. Yeah. So while we're on the subject with, with ghost files and, and unsolved, when did you first get into like the paranormal investigation thing? Because you went to Chapman for film school, right? I did go to Chapman for film school. Believe it or not, did not go to school to ghost hunt. But I think I got into it. I'd always thought it was fun growing up. I watched like ghost hunters and things like that. But it wasn't until high school that I got curious enough to go out and investigate myself. And this is actually in Unsolved. It's an episode of Unsolved when we go visit the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first place I ever ghost hunted. And then I, believe it or not, was a skeptic at the time. And then I had a couple things happen to me there that changed me into a believer. Shane has given me a lot of shit for them. Shane being uh, my co-host, if you don't know who that is. 
Again, uh, if you don't know who that is, not sure why you're listening. I that's it's it's, it's an interesting uh, kind of target audience that I've hit here. Then <laughs> yeah. you don't know Ghost Files, and yet you're here listening to this. But uh, yeah, there's like a tube of toothpaste that kind of got knocked off a shelf, and then there was like water that turned on by itself. I got poked in the face. Heard like a little girl laughing. There was a bunch of like classic haunted house stuff where I was like, okay, I guess I was wrong. Um, and then that just kind of developed into an interest slash paralyzing fear of ghosts. And I did, I'd forgotten about it. And then I went to school for directing and quickly realized just, I did not. You just forgot about your paralyzing fear of ghosts. Yeah. Because it's not like you run into ghosts on your, you know, tw- you know, like your daily life, <laughs> you, you could actively curate your life to avoid ghosts. If you don't live in a haunted building or a haunted house, you just don't go to haunted places and sure. no ghosts. That, and that's what I did for most of my life, uh, or at least most of my young life. And then I went to college for directing, went to film school, figured out I didn't really like it that much. Gave me a lot of anxiety, which is too many people asking me questions. And my mind just is, is too fragmented as it is to uh, be able to concentrate on, you know, juggling multiple balls at the same time. So uh, I switched over to cinematography. I thought, like, maybe it's just I want to hold the camera not realizing that once again, there's going to be several people asking me a bunch of questions. Uh, But I still did that, finished out my degree, then crewed on sets, you know, doing grip and electric work. And then I landed at BuzzFeed as an internship. And I thought it was just going to be like a stepping stone kind of place. But then they were doing really cool things. They were creating content. And I had done, you know, performing and content creation in like high school. And I never thought that was like a profession. But at BuzzFeed, I was I was encouraged to do so, and you know, one thing led to another, and eventually that led me to coming up with Unsolved. And I didn't think Unsolved was going to be a big thing. You know, it was just a, kind of like an idea I thought would be fun. I'd never seen someone talk about true crime or ghosts in like a very normal way, uh, especially not with a skeptic. And then uh, the show kind of took off, and that was that. Mm-hmm. And now well, we have our own company, a Watcher, and we make other shows that aren't involved with ghosts as well, and. Yeah, me and the big guy are still doing it, and you've been around for a lot of those. So, yeah, that's kind I, of the journey in a nutshell. What was I asked this to everyone? What was uh, so we talked about it already because I, I, you know, we worked together at BuzzFeed. What What yeah. is your recollection, if there is one, of when we first met and or worked together? Although I think the first time we met was when we worked together. Yeah, I I do remember that very vividly because. The first season of Unsolved was with a different co-host. It was with Brent Bennett. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, those sets weren't even sets. Like we would, I would rent a room at BuzzFeed. You could book rooms like conference rooms and whatnot. And I would book out like a shooting space and I would rent a, a audio recorder, a zoom and a camera. And I would literally roll the audio, check our levels, put the audio to the side somewhere I could see it. And then I would, flip the camera screen over the we had a canon 60d mm-hmm. and i would flip the screen over so that i could see the camera was still rolling and i would roll the camera and i would sit down and we would just do the show and that was like the first season and then the show got successful and but it wasn't successful enough they needed it to be something else they actually thought about i think at one point they thought about moving it to tv in which case it would, you know, sayonara for me. I would not be along for the ride for that because I didn't own it. And I, I, mean, I imagine they would have recast it too. But there was like one little gasp for air there where they were like, if you could make a 60-minute show, 
like a 60 minute episode of like version of the show, we might be able to sell it in this brand deal. Cause at the time there is this, like, I think it was this, it's called go 90. There was like one mm-hmm. of these weird. Yeah. Verizon, that was Verizon like go buying, 90. Exactly. And they were buying up original content. I actually think they did. Uh, they had a Quinta show as well. They uh, did a couple for adoption. They did a couple shows for go 90. We did up, up for adoption, which I was on as well. Yes. Uh, and I was shooting that right before I joined unsolved. That makes sense. Um, and then we did what was the thing? Relationship goals, which was the first thing we did for Verizon Go 90. And that was happening as we were moving out of the DeLongpre office into the Siren office. Yes, correct. Yeah. And uh I mean also the first season of Unsolved had nothing to do with ghosts. It was all true crime cases. It was basically like a video podcast. Right. Uh and one of the video podcasts was us going to San Francisco to investigate the Zodiac. And that was like my first attempt at like, you know what, I'm going to try and just make a full 30 minute television length episode of this show and see how it does. And then that did really well. And then that got like the higher ups at BuzzFeed thinking like, what if he did a 60 minute show, you know, uh, something that was like longer and that way we can maybe sell it or sell it to this Go90 app. Mm -hmm. And basically, I was very much told in so many words that this was the last chance for this to be a viable series. Like if if they could sell it to this, then maybe they could spin that into doing more. They weren't really sure. Long story short, they didn't even end up selling it to Go90, which actually ended up being the best possible thing that could have happened to the series because they funded it. They let me go shoot it. And by funded it, I mean, this was as shoestring of a budget as you could possibly have. We went to three different places. I think we went to the Winchester Mystery House, which was Mm -hmm. my first ghost hunt ever on camera. And that was Mm -hmm. also the first time I had stepped out of the studio and shot something with Shane for Unsolved. And uh, and then we went to Mexico City, and then we went to Kansas. Three places that are very far apart from each other, and I think we did it all in five days. Six days. Think, was it six? Oh, it wow. Six, but it was... So, yeah, because we flew up... We flew up to San Jose, San Jose from Los Angeles and shot it at the Winchester that same night. That's correct. And then we slept... And then we flew to Mexico the next day and we had like that night off. Yeah. And then we shot at the Island of the Dolls the next day. Yes. And then we slept and then we flew out and went to Kansas and had the night off. And yeah. And shot the next day and then slept and then flew back to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy trip uh, crossing multiple time zones. Also, we were supposed to sleep on the island of the dolls the night we shot there, and we ended up not doing that. Because oh, I shut that unsafe. down. I shut yeah, it down. TJ was the AD, and which brings me back to the original question of like, what was my first impression? The thing that I was so nervous that whole first shoot because I knew this was do or die. First off, I had a new co-host, so I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. are people going to be pissed off? That and, and Shane had been in one episode before that. He had been in the Illuminati episode, but that was still. Most of the comments honestly didn't even recognize he was a different person. Like <laughs> they thought him and Brent were the same guy. All, uh, all us white, all us white guys. We just look the same. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, your words, TJ. Uh, <laughs> so that we had that one in the chamber, but this was conceivably the last episode of Unsolved ever, and also the first one of what became Unsolved because we had not ghost hunted, we had not gone on the road and and things like that. So. And with that came actual crew members, because even the Shane episode of the Illuminati was the same method. I would set up all the gear myself, press record on a bunch of things, and fucking pray that 
it didn't cut out or anything like that. And actually, that first season of Unsolved, that did happen. We were r- driving to Vegas because we were doing a Tupac episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went to go to the location where everything went down. And we recorded audio in the car. Or at least I thought I recorded audio. And I don't know what happened. Maybe I double pressed the button or something, but the whole episode did not record like the whole portion where I tell the story of what the the case was. And we have the back and forth between myself and Brent that did not record. So we had to redo the whole thing. And that luckily was the only time that ever happened, but I can't believe that's the only time that ever happened. But anyways, we, we have the initiative to go shoot this 60 minute episode and it was supposed to go to go 90. So they were like, okay, we'll give you some semblance of a budget. You're going to have to do it in like lightning quick time. And you have an AD who will also function as like a utility person. You'll have a camera guy. And I believe we had a producer. Yeah. And I also think you were running sound as well, TJ. Yeah. And TJ, of course, was the AD that was assigned. And he was also tasked with running sound. Uh, and I just remember feeling like, oh, this is actually a real thing now. I'm not just like making some bullshit with my friends. There's actually a crew around me, you know, granted a very small crew, but there is now a crew of people watching us do our thing. And before it was very much like when I was interacting with Brent or when I interacted with Shane in that one episode when we were filming by ourselves, it's easier to have a conversation or be performed, so to speak, when it's just you. Like it's literally just me and Brent in a room or me and Shane in a room. There was nobody watching. There was nobody being, you know, saying cut or let's do that again or we have to set up. It was just like on our own dime our own time mm-hmm. and whatever happened happened but this was like our first kind of taste of like oh there was actually a crew for this this show and i just remember being very intimidated by uh you tj just because i was like you were very intense first off and you were very concerned about safety uh and i didn't give a shit about safety i was just like let's get it done <laughs> this is yeah back you, in the time. you you still don't but that's okay. yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day when i was like be sleeping at the office to finish stuff so, like i was like safety was the last thing on my mind my mind was like survive keep the show alive keep my job and I, just, yeah, I, remember, more, I will say you're a little more concerned for your own safety nowadays that is I try to be, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I would have burned out a mil- like you know, I would have burned yeah. out long ago. You are. I also um, think just like things in your like you have a wife now. You have like, I have a life. You're like, it's not just me rolling on this now. So I I should probably be a little more careful. That's true. I should take care of myself a little bit more. But uh, I do remember being very intimidated by you, and you That's rep so you you uh, represented the 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 semblance of a system or rules or like buzzfeed itself like i was like oh there is a like a guideline uh, a set of guidelines we are now operating under and it was also a reminder that like this really was like do or die like this is like our shot mm-hmm. um so i just remember being a nervous wreck that entire shoot i tried to not let on as much as i could but inside i was just like man this is it like this is our one shot it felt like a it felt like a five day five to six day audition that's what it felt like to me yeah yeah except it would air which is weird <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i yeah I, I just remember cutting that thing together and dipping a, a nightmare to get it done in time and it didn't even end up going to go 90 it went on youtube which ended up being the best thing because that's, i never that saw saved it. it yeah it saved it because the amount of views that bad boy clocked in in like a week i can't remember it was a lot though it was like a, several millions um and that's when everyone up top was like, oh, well, maybe you do a couple more, get a couple more. And uh, I can't recall, TJ, were you on the additional ones before we officially launched into like a season of the show? 
the only ones I want to say that I missed out on because they weren't they they booked me on other stuff. They weren't That's like correct. you wanted me because you would talk to me about it, but I was already getting booked on other stuff. And my higher ups were basically like, no, we need you to go here because we're still not sure about this one over here yet. So when you went to the Queen Mary, I wasn't on that one, which was that yeah, follow up. I think that was the first episode we shot after the big episode. Yeah. And then whatever that that next trip was where you went to Bobby Mackey's. Right. And, yeah, yeah, and went yeah. to and went to. um Oh my God! Why can't I think of the Bobby Mackey's, the big asylum, Mary. the big asylum in Kentucky? Oh, Waverly Hills. Waverly. Waverly. Hills. You yeah, went to Waverly yeah. for the first time, so I missed out on that one. And then there was another like true crime one that you stopped off of in that tiny little town. Yes, um, yes, and Keddy, the Keddy cabins. Yeah. You would have loved it. You would have. Yeah. Been, you would have not been down with that situation. <laughs> I know you guys talk about it all the time. It's um, the little murder town. It was like fifty people. And one of them was still probably the murderer. And we were just yeah. walking around asking questions about these murders. Not, it's not wise. Fun, fun. Yeah, sounds right up my alley. Uh, yeah. Not <laughs> perfect for my anxiety. Um, yeah. What, yeah, whatever other ones that you did on that trip, because that's the only other trip. Because the next trip that you did was when they were all, when the higher ups were kind of like, oh, Unsolved looks like it's going to be a thing. And you came to me and you were like, we're going to New Orleans and we're going to Salem, Massachusetts. And I was like, I'm in. I moved my jury duty because I was like, I'm going on this one. Yeah. Um, and then and then it was that I was there for all of them. No, and I think and that was that was interesting, too, because that big episode, the very big one, I just remember it feeling like a battle. And I was like, wow, if I have to do this again, I need the same crew. And then I was told I couldn't get the same crew. I could get some of the same crew, but not everybody. Right. Like right. I had Tristan, who was my camera guy, um, and he was there for the other three aforementioned ones that we just talked about. But uh, you weren't because they didn't allocate the resources. I actually remember after Waverly, that was the first episode where I came up with the idea for postmortem, where I was like, it'd be cool if we could answer questions about the episode and go over evidence and stuff. We actually did that one live, I think. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of spawned like a, 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 the next stage of like even more people catching on to the show. Because it was like there wasn't a lot of ghost shows out there that like allowed you immediate access to the people who were hunting like real time. Um, and I remember after that, I got pulled into an office at BuzzFeed and they were like, OK, we think you're on to something here. We're going to give you more resources now and see what happens. Yeah, and we'll do a full season of it. And I, I recall that my, I think that was like the first like real season of content that BuzzFeed had like really done something for because they were like the try guys. But that was like lo a loose format. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a series. And it felt like, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, I do think that was like the first like season of content that was like greenlit. Yeah. We were kind of like a guinea pig. Like, so they let me assemble my team. Like I was able to assemble like not only you and our production team, but then, you know, post and all that. And I knew I wanted to just, you know, stay in the trenches with the people that we had built it with. And also like in that first like big episode, we quickly figured out that we all got along really well. Yeah, that crew um, really, really clicked. Uh, yeah, I wanted to go back and talk about just kind of all the shit that we went through on that first trip. <laughs> um, and I think a yeah. lot of it is one, because I also forgot that when we got to Santa, Santa Fe, San Jose, yeah, we like went 
we we went to the hotel we dropped our bags off and then we we instantly went and did that interview with father thomas that's correct yeah so i forgot about that and then we went from there to winchester so yes. it was just like this crazy fucking you know whirlwind already and i just remember very vividly we get to the church for Father Thomas's. We're standing outside that one little house so you could shoot your intro. Yeah. And like those three like weird, like very kind of like culty guys kind of came up and were talking to us about Father Thomas. Yeah. And it was just like, and all of us like instantly were like, this is, this is weird, but none of us said anything. And then the guys walked away and it was just this weird moment and I think maybe Shane said it first. It was like, that was yeah, fucking weird. And, and we all were like, and so we were like, thank God somebody said it. Like we all, I think that was like the thing that we all like instantly became this community and this crew because we were like, yeah, we all had the exact same reaction to. Yeah. What they were happened. trying to, they were trying to warn us to not go to the house or say anything at the house for my recollection. Yeah. Uh, and that they were saying like you gotta listen to you know Father Thomas is telling you you know like really really laying it on thick. <laughs> and I also remember like it's funny too because like I remember the interaction, but the thing that sticks out the most the most to me from that isn't them. It's how fucking nervous I was. Yeah, I was like I didn't know what the show was. I didn't know what the intro was. I didn't know how the transitions worked. I was like literally writing it as I was going. I had wrote like some things down like here's what I think I should say. But to that point, it was an unproven commodity. We didn't know what the show was, let alone how Shane and I even were together as like a duo. Because Shane and I had been in content before in this thing called Test Friends, but that was always in a group. It was never like a duo. And I was like, all right, let's see how we play off of each other on camera because we play off each other fine when we're just talking because we're friends. Yeah. But you never know until you start rolling. And I just remember just sweating. Like, <laughs> like when I look at that interview I, or that episode, I could just feel how nervous I was. You, uh, your hand yeah. was literally shaking at one point. Oh man, I was just like, dude, yeah, this is just, the stakes are high here because, like, I was thinking if this doesn't happen, I might lose my job. Like, I'm like, well, that I remember because <laughs> when we when we were sitting down for that interview inside the church with Father Thomas, I saw that your hand was kind of shaking, like prepping for it. And as I was like yeah. putting, like getting your microphone set, I remember I just put my hand on your shoulder. And I was just like, you got it. Like, you got this. Yeah. And like, you and I didn't really know each other that well, but I was just like, because yeah. I've dealt with like that before where somebody's just like having a rough time and I get it. And like, oh, I think that was also like from that point forward, I think that's what's always been great about our working relationship is because I always can tell when you're outside of your head or inside oh, your yeah. head a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I yeah. can always tell. And so I'm always like, we're going to, we're going to chill out for a second. Cause like Ryan needs a minute. And like, even if you don't know that you need a minute, I can fucking. <laughs> yeah. And that actually was very useful in terms of like, cause after like, I think like the first season, then that kind of just went away and it was more just nerves over. I was, I, I, people always ask me, am I legitimately scared of these places? I am like, I mm -hmm. actually am very scared of these places. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I get that question all the time when people find out that I worked on the show. They're like, "Ryan's faking it, right?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, he's not. No, uh, he's not. Definitely I wish not. I was. I yeah. really wish I was. Yeah. I mean, I've calmed down a little bit more lately, at least when there's a crew around. But when I'm by myself, man, it's just like I'm back in the beginning of going into these haunted houses. 
Because, like, once I got over, like, the, just, like, the fear of, like, oh, we're doing a show, we're doing on-camera stuff, then it, it was, like, oh, cool, I'm relaxed with that now. Oh, shit, I'm still in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. That sucks. In a way, I, I, the anxiety is still there. It's just pointed at something else. But yeah. I do remember that Father Thomas interview, and I do remember that moment. And, yeah, it was, it was helpful to me because I was very intimidated by you. Not only was it, was it the first time we had a crew, but it was also I was – the youngest person there. You, you and Shane were older than me. I think I was 25 years old. Yeah, and, that's, that sounds uh, about right. And I was just kind of like tasked with like, all right, you're going to lead this show and figure it out and hopefully it all works. And I just felt like this insane amount of pressure. And I always just, I felt like most of my time working on sets growing up, like being a grip or an electric or even in film school, it was always hierarchies. Like, oh, you, you're following the orders of the people who are older than you. Like, that's like always what it is. Like, especially when you go into like real sets, like real sets being like the shitty non-union gigs I was doing when I was gripping. Yeah. But everybody was older than me. You would listen to the the keys or the heads that were above you. And in this particular case, I was the youngest person on set. And then I was still, I was then, not, I wasn't, really, I wasn't uh, following the orders of somebody else. I was trying to make them up, which felt like I was playing, uh, putting on a little costume. Like I had like a little businessman costume on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt clownish to be honest and I, I was just like man these guys all know I'm a fucking fraud uh, yeah. like and I still you know I thought that would go away eventually but that imposter syndrome is so embedded in me that like I any anywhere I go like even sets I walk on now sometimes I'll have that thought of just like ah, these people are gonna eventually figure it out uh which is like you know I I feel like most performers have that that feeling that like they're gonna I find see- out I don't know what the hell I'm doing uh, yeah, I still get it all the time. I still have imposter syndrome all the time. I 100% had imposter syndrome on that set. And yeah. I and I fucking had done that shit forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it was also like, you know, it was the first time of me really doing something because I mainly did narrative. Like, that was what I always did. So it was yeah. the first time I was supposed to jump in as a first AD, legitimately a first AD on a reality, let alone a fucking paranormal investigation show, you know? And like, you know, like when I hopped on the thing, I was kind of on the fence. Like I wasn't sure like whether I didn't really care either way, but like, I wasn't for me, I was like, I have a job. That's what also helped me like not be nervous or scared or whatever about things before, like before I turned to the dark side of being a total skeptic was, (laughs) Uh, thank you, Shane Maday. Um, but, uh, was because I was just like, for me, I was like, it's a job and I have a job to do. So like, you know what? Yeah. If demons are real and one's going to pop out and like start scratching the shit out of me, we better fucking get it on camera. Cause that's what we're here to do. Like, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, yeah. that's yeah. kind of what was my mindset. It was like, this is just, this is what I got to do. Um, but yeah, I hundred percent had imposter syndrome, but it was all the shit that we went through on that trip. So it was like the, the weird father Thomas interview Winchester was fine. Cause the people at Winchester were really cool. The house was like very cool. Yeah. Um, but then we go to Mexico. That, that Island of the dolls was scary for so many reasons that were not ghosts at all. Well, we get there. I'm finding it. Like we're supposed to sleep on this Island. I'm thinking more and more about it. I'm like, we, no one has ever scouted it. We don't know yeah. what's around. You, you don't know what the actual ground or the habitat is like. It, no. And then I'm finding out that it's like in the canals where there's like toxic fucking water. And I was like, what? No. And so I and it was also raining, too. It was raining. and it was fucking raining. And so I turned to Candace. I was like, we're getting Cody, who was the, the production manager at the time. We're getting Cody on the phone. 
and they're paying for another fucking night of this hotel because we are not sleeping. And even then, when I was telling him that it was a, a safety concern, he was kind of like trying to push me. I'm like, we're talking about lives here. We're talking about safety. Like if one of us gets sick, if one of us gets hurt, if something happens on this place that we've never been to, like, <laughs> yeah. like just throw in the extra fucking 1200 or whatever. It's probably less than that, but like another night for all, because we were all fucking sharing rooms. They only had two yeah. rooms for five of us. That's right. I remember uh, Shane and I, we shared a bed for most of the most seasons of Unsolved, now that I think about it. Yeah. I remember in Mexico, we literally had this like giant king bed and we had to recount the whole story while we were laying in bed. Felt like we were like an old married couple. Yeah. It, it, it was a crazy experience. Also, like we had no idea that the island was primarily inhabited by, you know, thousands of spiders. Yeah, I mean that 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 there was that too. So like we get to the island, the guy all of a sudden wants more money. So he won't let us on the island till we pay him all this money. Yeah, he basically extorted us. Yeah. Like, and so we just gave him whatever money we had, which like I told everybody, fucking don't take all the money with you. Leave some in the hotel room in the safe. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 yeah, you were right, because he I mean, he legit robbed us. Yeah, he 100% robbed us. And then he planned to rob us again later in the night. But I think you also thwarted that attempt because yep. first off, like what was amazing about it was like, as we are riding to this island, like first off to get down to the port, we have to ride these like rickshaws, which yeah. were dangerous. And yeah. it was just, it was still fun though. And up to this point, I'm feeling like this sense of adventure. I'm like, all right, we got our first shoot down. We got the Winchester done. We're all ha almost halfway done. We're getting our groove. We're figuring out what the show is. I think everything went really well. Yeah. Shelling is a team. And we're on the way to this crazy island of the dolls, which is in the middle of Mexico City in these the the Xochimilco Canal system that are like, you know, it's crazy. We're going to get a boat. Like, this is going to be such good footage. I'm like super psyched. <laughs> we get to the port. We're on the boat. Still like riding high. I'm like getting like B-roll shots of us on the water. And I was we're, like, dude, this is an adventure. We're also not thinking about the fact that they're taking us farther away from the populated exactly. area. And the port, quote unquote, that we get onto is basically like off of somebody's fucking garage. Yeah, and it's like just like basically like a strip of wood that you walk in. Kind of like what the, the strip of wood that those fishermen uh, get ripped off of in Jaws when they're fishing and they yeah. almost get wrecked by that yeah. shark. Yeah. Uh, it kind of looked like that. And I just remember it took like an hour, it feels like, to get from Mexico City's little port area, uh, in heavy quotations there, mm -hmm. to this island. And we're in this dinky little like pool pool spring motorboat, like uh mm -hmm. and I don't know at what point it turned in my head, but about about like forty-five minutes or so, like three quarters of the way there, it did occur to me, I was like, wow, we're really getting far from the city. Like and I wasn't thinking like, oh, these guys are going to scam us. My thought was like, if something happens on this island, like if I have a heart attack from fright, it's going to take a long time for me to get back to the port. I'll likely be dead. Yeah. They're going to be uh, taking me back to the hotel room in a body bag. And I, that was already on my mind. And, that, and TJ is familiar with this because this is something that my mind normally does. When we approach a haunted location, like for instance, Waverly or any of these big bad places we go, I'm joking. I'm having a good time until about 10 minutes before we get to the location. And then reality starts to set in that like, oh, that's right. I'm not just hanging out with my friends. We have to go into a horrible place now. And I don't want to go in there. Uh, yeah. And a lot of those moments made it into the show. Like Goatman, it's in there. Waverly, it's in there. Uh, yeah. 
of the, and we're talking like unsolved here, not ghost files. Yeah. And so that started to happen on the boat. I started to recognize like, oh, we're getting very, very far from the mainland. We get to the, <laughs> we get to the island, boat docks. What's it called? We had a, an interpreter with us, uh, Pepe. Yeah, Pepe. Uh, from BuzzFeed Mexico. And he was our mm-hmm. interpreter. And he was talking to these fellows on the island who had rented this island out to us. And they're talking. And I could tell the tenor of their voice is getting a little more intense. And they're talking for a lot longer than I think they should be talking. Mm-hmm. And so I start to get curious. And I kind of like try and listen in, even though I barely speak any Spanish, despite being half Mexican. I know that's a bad thing, but it would have been very helpful in this situation because I would have been able to hear what was transpiring. Pepe stops for a second, looks over at me, and he could see I'm worried. And he just goes, ah, I I think we're getting scammed. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, he's saying he's asking for... How much was the agreement for pesos? I can't even remember what the agreement was. I think it was like 5,000 pesos or something like that. Yeah. And he was asking for 50. He was asking for 50,000 now. Yeah. It was it was a crazy uptick. And we were like, we don't even have that, dude. But right. he knew he had us by the balls because we were separated from the mainland. We were literally on his turf. And I do recall just seeing two or four of his friends walk out to the shoreline and just kind of cross their arms. And I was like, oh, shit. I think we just got we got roped into some sort of scam. Like we're, I think we're in big, 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 big trouble here. Mm-hmm. And that was also seeing my first time seeing uh, the Tiege monster jump into action because you did a good job of calming everyone down. You calmed Canvas down. Uh, <laughs> we were able to talk this guy into just letting us stay for a couple hours as opposed to the whole night, which we didn't want to do anyway because the island was disgusting. Um, so we shoot the episode whatever we've kind of forgotten about the scam somehow i mean i did somehow i don't know if you did no but uh uh no because they were like fucking they were over in the corner like drinking and partying and barbecuing the whole fucking time we were shooting so like i'm just they're like constantly on my mind yeah and it's it's like dusk at this point Mm -hmm. we shoot the episode night falls and i don't know what it was about night falling here it wasn't the ghosts it wasn't anything like that for whatever reason, as soon as the moon came up, it was like a movie where just thousands of spiders suddenly appeared from the woodwork, literally from the woodwork, from these ugly, decrepit, just, you know, decomposing sheds. Mm-hmm. And it was the only time I've ever seen spiders fall from what seemed to be just the sky. Like there was no trees in certain parts. We were, I remember there was this like one open field and I looked up and I just saw spiders coming down. They and I was like, just... where are these yeah. rugs coming from? Where are they hanging from? <laughs> Like, is, is God up there with a fishing rod? This is bullshit. I just remember we were in that tiny little fucking hut. We're, like, shooting the dolls. And I had my headlamp no, on because we were looking point. for the original doll. We uh-huh. were looking, there, was a, there was a doll. There was Patient Zero. There was yeah. one doll that started it all. And it was in this shitty little shed in its shitty little box. And it was disgusting. <laughs> and I'll let you tell the rest. because Well, I had my headlamp on. And I'm just looking around. And, like, my headlamp shines on the wall and I see a good handful of spiders and then I just kind of like slowly start to pan around above us on the side and it was like a goddamn horror movie we are surrounded by no less than like 300 spiders and then you go up to the original doll and what fucking happens a goddamn spider crawls out of it out of its chest 
as <laughs> if we planned it. You couldn't plan it any better than that. First off, incredible footage. Like, incredible oh, shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I do remember, like, getting Tristan, like, I was like, dude, you got to get the shot. He was like, I, I think we got it, Ryan. I think yeah. we got well, it. Because we all bounced. You, me, and yeah. Shane went, left the shed. And we <laughs> left Tristan in there to finish getting the shot. And then he's like, we good? Like, we were like, yeah, get out I'll never forget. First off, it's the only time I've ever seen Shane truly, truly scared. Like, mm. he was rattled because of the spiders. Yeah. I even remember him saying something along the lines of, like, okay, we've had our fun. Let's get off this fucking island. I'm done. Mm. And he's never said that before. Never said it since. Never said it before that. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget looking at – because I didn't realize how many spiders were in the, uh, in the shed because I was very much in posting mode. I was like, okay, we're getting – I got to, you know, get the plot points I need to hit. I mean, we need to get what we need to get, essentially. And I remember looking over at you because I remember I think I was like, uh, "How are we on time?" Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, when I looked at you, it's like that moment in a movie where there's like a monster, or perhaps there's like a bloody body that's uh, hanging from a tree, and a blood drop falls on someone's hand, and they're like looking at their hand, and they do that slow like tilt up where they look to see where the blood's coming from. I just remember seeing your head slowly tilt up, and I was like, "Oh, what's he? What's he doing over there?" And I just like followed your head to where you were looking. And when I looked up, I just saw eyes. I just saw a bunch of eyes, like in the Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, we were in big trouble. We got to get yeah. the fuck off this island. I don't think we've ever packed up faster. I remember being really scared that all our gear had spiders in them. We did get some spiders in some of the cases too. Yeah, we brought some home. <laughs> yeah, because I remember when we unpacked our bags, I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get bit by a spider. Um, and, you know, we get off the island, we get on the boat. We're like, thank God, a huge sigh of relief. One of the few times I've actually seen Shane relieved, too, mm-hmm. just because he was so, like, not chill with the situation. And halfway to the, the mainland, the boat breaks down. And I remember thinking, is the boat really broken down? Same. Or is this guy pulling something? And I was too anxious and too... This is before I knew I had an anxiety disorder. So I was spinning out, and I didn't recognize what that actually was. Mm-hmm. Now I realize, like, I was in the middle of almost a panic attack. So, like, I couldn't handle it. I walked to the bow of our little boat, bow being like five feet away from where TJ was standing. Mm-hmm. And TJ's talking to this guy who's like feverishly pulling the string for this motor like he's trying to start a lawnmower. Yeah. And it's just not happening. And I could just hear the engine over and over failing and TJ saying things, making suggestions. The guy doesn't understand TJ because he doesn't speak English. <laughs> Ted Bay screaming at him in Spanish. Yeah. And I just remember Shane and I are standing at the bow of the boat looking at the stars. And just thinking, wow, this is a really bad situation. But you know what? This is nice to look at. Hopefully we get out of this. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even say anything to each other. We just kind of looked off into the yeah. distance. And we got a great shot you ha- of you guys doing that, too. <laughs> let you handle it. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, the boat starts. We head back. The port looks way different now. It's, like, dimly lit with, like, this, like, sodium vapor orange lights. Like, mm-hmm. we're uh, docking at Tortuga in, mm-hmm. in Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And, uh... <laughs> They had us, they were like, oh, just sit here and wait for your transport to go back they, to the mainland mainland. They walked us through that weird alleyway. Exactly. And while we're walking through that alleyway, Pepe turns to me and he goes, this is not a very good neighborhood. And I went, good to know. And, you know, because we finished up, we said like we were going to be done at like 1 or 2 a.m. or whatever. And yeah. uh, we finished up, I don't know, hours early. Like we were back on that dock, I want to say by like 9.30 or something like that. It was really yeah, early. Yeah. Because they tried to scam us and we only gave us like 90 minutes to shoot or whatever it was. And so yeah, it was ridiculous. So this is my theory. Because we were when we said we we're gonna be back here at like one, two AM, 
the dude told the guy with the rishas, he's like, come back at 1 a.m. for them. And so I think that the boat was fine. He was trying to stall time. Yes, yes, yes. For his boys to to do whatever they were going to do. And maybe it was just he was stalling time for our safety. I doubt it, given what given what the evening has already presented. So I that was why I was talking to Pepe to talk to him to basically be like, bro, we're not I'm not taking the shit. Like if the boat is broken, we need to fix it. And if it's not, you need to start it right now because we're not taking it. It took a while, but then eventually he got it started and we went. And then, we, yeah, they brought us over. They walked us through that fucking alley. Pepe's like, this isn't a good neighborhood. I'm instantly like... I didn't hear that, by the way. Yeah, I know. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. Spidey sense is going off. And they put us on that fucking street corner with, with one solo light in this dark corner. It was one street lamp. With, with fucking... Thousands of dollars of gear with us. We're sitting fucking ducks. And I said to Pepe, I think I have a pretty good idea how to get us back to that square. Whatever I can't do, can you do the rest? And Pepe's like, yeah. And I turned to everybody and I said, great, we're fucking walking. And we walked all the way back. So I was like, I'm not sitting here waiting for some motherfucker to come up and steal our shit. No, and for context too, we started in like, our, our hotel was like in this town square in Mexico City, a very nice part. Oh, of it was town. a beautiful there was like, part. It was beautiful, beautiful cafes. People were walking around with like yeah. yoga, yoga mats and shit yeah. like that, walking their dogs. I was like, wow, I, this is beautiful. This is like uh, the, LA. This is like, yeah, you know. It was. It was a beautiful, beautiful part of Mexico. That's the other thing. I actually really, I've been to Mexico a couple times. I love Mexico and there's so many beautiful parts of Mexico. So, like, I don't want to like talk shit on Mexico. I'm just bringing up these certain people that seem to be a little sketchy. Oh, no. And so we took a lift from the town square over mm-hmm. to this little port and, and uh, or to this other port or this, like, I guess, like, uh, hub, I want to call it. It was like a hub. And from mm-hmm. there, you get on rickshaws and go weave through these little alleyways because the alleyways were too small for cars, from my recollection. Yeah. But you could get rickshaws through there. So you had to stop at the beginning of this village and then you would take rickshaws all the way down to the water. And so basically TJ is saying that he got us from the port through the village to the part where we could actually, you know, then call a lift. Mm-hmm. And I actually have my GoPro rolling this entire time because I'd forgotten I was so out of it. Mm-hmm. I had been rolling since Spider Island. So mm-hmm. I have the whole run through the village. Yeah. And I even remember when we got in the lift, there was a clown. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. We stopped at a red light and a clown walked up to our car and started cleaning our windshield except he didn't have cleaning supplies nor a towel he was miming cleaning our windshield and this is in the middle of the night and i was just like what the fuck is going on because i was sitting behind the taxi guy and i was behind the driver's like headrest and i saw movement and i just remember peeking my head around the headrest and just seeing a clown face there <laughs> and then you know, we ended up getting back to the hotel we had like a drink at a bar and that was a yeah. huge bonding experience we all had this like vacant stare as we downed our first drink and then eventually we calmed down but yeah uh, and that, that was a it was a fun night from that point forward like we knew we made it through you know and that yeah. was that was that was fun what a fucking crazy first time out Oh, and it was nice, though, in a weird way, because it just kind of let us all know, like, oh, we're all battle tested. Like, if it comes down to it, we all know we could keep our heads and we could work together. And we still shot the fucking episode. And we got some really good shit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was just kind of like a a bonding experience that went beyond work. And I just kind of felt like, oh, I could trust these guys. Yeah, it was a great learning experience. and, And it really did kind of just like 
establish this kind of like family that we had. Mm-hmm. And these shoots are not fun, so to speak. Like the environment is usually gross. It's either really dirty or cold or super hot. It's late nights, super late nights. You don't get a lot of sleep. But we all like enjoyed doing it because we enjoyed hanging out with each other. And then on our off days, we would go see the town or we get have to see drinks. these really cool cities. Yeah, sometimes, 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 really cool sometimes. sometimes we were sometimes. in the middle of nowhere yeah. and we just hung out in the hotel. But yeah, that was always um, the best. Yeah, we're coming back after if we wasn't too late and everybody wanted to, because there were a couple times though. It was just me, you, and Shane, and we'd wrap at like five thirty, and you, the three of us still would like meet up in one of our rooms and crack open beers like we still were having those beers because we're like we need to do it um and that was always that was like always probably my favorite part doing that and then on my final episode when we went to whaley right isn't that was that was my final episode it was like kind of unceremonious of me leaving the show but it was like kind of nice at the same time because it ended with me you and shane just the three of us drinking beers in a way it was almost fitting though because Mm-hmm. When I started the show, I was 25 and I think Shane was 30. And it dawned on me that when we were at Whaley House, I was about the same age that Shane was when he first joined the show. Yeah. Like, and it was kind of like the next phase of our lives. Like, it, it, it was kind of moving into the next thing. And you, you're now moved on to bigger and better things. Your dad now. And like, mm-hmm. it's just, it was kind of like we all spent this formative time of our lives growing up together, making this fun show and it's cool because when you have like a shared experience like that with a group of friends yeah if i could pack up and go on the road with you guys again i would do it in a fucking minute it's just so much harder for me to do that now but yeah it was such a big part of my life and our friendship and like our friendship has not suffered because i don't work on on the show show with you anymore but what a ride man what an incredible ride that was it's so funny. We spent most of the time literally just talking about that one trip of unsolved. I mean, in a weird way, though, it's a good like kind of microcosm of the greater environment that it fostered. Yeah, know? I mean, like, really, it's a good way to analyze it. Yeah. So real quickly, because you talked about like we, you know, we did unsolved that ended. You went over, you started Watcher, you started Ghost Files. So with Watcher was the goal. I know it wasn't always the goal, but when in making content for BuzzFeed and the success of Unsolved, when did it kind of hit you and Shane and Steven that we should leave and do our own thing? I mean, it was it was late. It was like maybe like the last, it was like one of the last couple of seasons of Unsolved where it just, it just became clear to us that we had amassed enough of a following and felt that like we would, you know, be fortunate enough for people to support us, hopefully, that we could maybe start our own shop and make our own our own shows and i mean the main thing was just we really wanted to own our ideas because you know we knew that buzzfeed was running a business and that unsolved was a big part of that business and we weren't Mm -hmm. seeing a a lot of that business for a lot of it none of it it wasn't until the end that we started to see some of it and even seeing some of it we realized i guess what's the point of like having just a sliver of the pie when we could own the pie ourselves and then divide it how we feel and, and be able to reinvest in the show and you know do different things that we you know might have had to jump through a couple more hoops to do at BuzzFeed. And, you know, and I have to say too, like BuzzFeed was amazing in terms of like allowing us full creative autonomy to make the show what we wanted it to make it, uh, you know, what we wanted to make it uh, Mm -hmm. be and what it ended up being. And, you know, that's a rare thing to have in your mid twenties to be like, Hey, here's the keys to like try and make something and we'll see where it goes. And as crazy as the stakes of all of it sounded and like how much pressure was, felt by myself and everybody who was making the show 
it is amazing that we had that opportunity like now that i think about it and yeah and it allowed us to create our own opportunity at watchers so it, yeah. it was it was towards the end though uh and i think it was like a natural point for us to go our separate ways there wasn't any kind of like bad blood or things that you weren't seeing that were below the surface it was very much just like oh you know we've grown to a different part in our in our careers and i think this is a good time for us to leave and yeah and there was no hard feelings so yeah I know we're we're running short on time here. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but we did talk a lot about. Thank the, God, dude. Uh, oh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> I was wondering. I've been watching your clock. You're on my podcast, and you should be thanking me for the opportunity. You're right. Uh, so, like, you really got into acting over the last couple of years, and the house yeah. other, other than the strike. But how's that been? You got to do a quick bit with your wife for for Ant Man, which was cool. It's been fun, man. I it's, it's something I'd always been interested in. I I'd done it for fun in high school but never like seriously pursued it and just because I didn't think it was possible. And mm -hmm. then as like the, the renaissance of Asian representation happened in, in film and TV, I thought maybe I have a chance now. So I started training and I just recently kind of started really getting out there and auditioning because mm -hmm. I didn't want to go out there and put, put a bullshit work uh, right. and not be ready. Yeah. Cause that's a quick way to kill your career as fast as it starts. And, um, yeah, it's been fun auditioning. Heartbreaking, as you know, when you don't get things. Great when you do. Yeah. And honestly, the way I feel about it is any chance I get to do it, I'm happy. Like yeah. Anybody who will let me act for them, I am down to do it because I just enjoy it so much. It's one of the few things I could do now that makes me feel connected to narrative, like that whole narrative filmmaking structure that I had in my college. And like, you know, I grew up idolizing Steven Spielberg and wanting to be on sets. and this is like the way I could get into that kind of process where you're a part of a team and everyone has a role. And I like acting because you have your role, you tell the story and you're not like in charge of a million people. You're in charge of like yourself and your relationship with the scene partner and the story. And that's so much easier yeah. for my anxiety ridden mind to focus onto as opposed to being like, having production design come up to me and be like, where should we put this carpet? And like, what color should that person be wearing? And then like the DP saying like, where should I, uh, what kind of lighting do you want for this? And it's like, ah, I don't know. Just, yeah. Uh, I, I, I also, I movies. yeah. How, uh, you know, having that experience though, being on that side, having to make the decisions and doing things in my experience, I don't know if it works the same for you, like has made me a better performer because yes, I know yes. much more about what everybody else is doing, you know? And it also has made me realize that it's not really about me. <laughs> at no. some point, at some point, as the actor being the person on camera, yes, at some point it will be about you. But not until that shit is all set up and ready to go. Dude, honestly, though, like I, I think that's one of my favorite things about acting is at the end of the day, it's a crazy thing to say, but I truly believe this. And this is something my wife tells me all the time because she's a, she's an excellent actor. She's a much better actor than me. One of the things she said to me that was always really helpful was it isn't about you. If you're like really in your head about a performance, you just gotta remember it, it. It's not about you. It's about the the overall film, the story you're trying to tell, and then the other person you're acting with, your scene partner. And then, like once that was you know on the table, and I was able to not have this idea that I have to deliver this scene stealing performance or you know make it about me, it was so much weight lifted off of me. So like yeah. I I appreciate that when it comes to acting more than anything, maybe because um, I will say when you're hosting, sometimes it, it does kind of become about you, and in yeah. particular in my position, I'm kind of directing sometimes at the same time and like trying to guide like shape the creative as i'm doing like i'm writing while i'm acting or right. not acting or writing while i'm hosting rather so it does kind of you, you you do kind of have to have a little bit more of a 
an awareness that you are performing while you're performing. Whereas mm-hmm. like acting, you, you could kind of just disappear into it, which is yeah. really cool to me. Yeah. And that's like, one. I mean, like I, that's why it's so helpful for my mind, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I highly recommend to anyone who wants to get into the entertainment industry that they do as much as they can in it. Just get a little bit of experience of everything because it will make your, your knowledge of the business will make you a better performer. No, I agree with that. Cause like, if you have a knowledge of how sets work, you may not be thinking about it, but you'll be very much more understanding of when they make you do certain weird things like, Oh, cheat this way. Or like, could you get, could you move a little slower? It feels weird, but it will look good. Like, yeah, you're not going to be as like, that's not how it is. You know, right. you'll have a, a greater understanding and just kind of like operating yeah. from a base level yeah. of uh, accomplishing the same goal. Right. Uh, why yeah. but why am i walking towards the fridge because we need you to just walk towards the fucking fridge because <laughs> sometimes there. that's what it is like we just need you to get from this point to this point and just like knowing that that's a thing sometimes and i don't want to shit on anybody's process because no everybody's process is different and you know whatever works for you works for you and rock and roll I'll, I'll make sure that if we ever work together that i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna ask you just excruciating questions for every I, little thing that I do. I have a I have a buddy that uh that does that. I won't I won't say their name um on <laughs> on on this podcast, but I do have a buddy. I love I love them to death. I love them to death. And they're an incredible performer. They're an incredible actor and they get but it is like their process is very specific and has very specific questions. Now having worked with him a couple times on that leading up to the day i'll always like make a phone call because i know those questions will come up and like i'm happy to answer i'm happy to talk through that process i'm happy to like be part of your process i can't do it five minutes before we're supposed to shoot the scene like i i have so many other things that i'm fucking worried about no i it's totally understandable and that's also why i can't handle directing because i can't handle the 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 having to really be in touch with every single person in the production that's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of pressure. That's yeah. that's what I love. That's what I, I do love about it. And that's like God bless you. Is is having that connection with everybody and kind of knowing obviously you know a little bit more as a first AD. So when I'm the first when I'm first thing on a set, I know really more what's happening behind the scenes than the director, because I'm trying to take some weight off of the director so that they can, you know, worry about the performance and the lighting and things like that and like what the scene looks like. Uh, but yeah, there, but having, being in that position where you just kind of connected with everything I love. Having all those people ask me questions, every person is yeah. another permutation, another opportunity for me to make a choice that fucks it up. <laughs> it's more opportunities to fuck up per day than any other position. And I don't need that. I, I, I have my own choices I have to make as a performer or an actor or a host that I'm worried yeah. about. Like, you know, I, I can't be worried about the other one. So uh, yeah, I uh, mean, a lot a of lot. a lot of pressure for sure that fall falls on it. Uh, yeah, as a first AD and a director, like because like if it if it's not if it, if you don't make your day, the producers come to you as a first AD and be like, well, why the fuck are we behind? And then as a director, if the film does not turn out great, then you got the people who gave you money. You'd be like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck happened? And so you, you there is a lot of pressure that aspect, but. You know, it's still yeah. that's I've always loved all the aspects of filmmaking. And I know you love film just as much as I do. I won't keep you much longer. I'm going to I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions that I ask everybody. 
Okay. Uh, and then we can wrap it up. I really appreciate you doing this, man. Um, of course, man. Hit me with your best shot. Here we go. What is uh, one thing that you really want to do that you haven't done yet? Could be career, could just be in life. Hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting question. What would I, the first thing that comes to mind is I would I I I'd like to be a substantial part in a in a, in a film or 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 any or or something or anything TV related. Nice. Um, I, I've gotten like a couple bit parts now. Um, uh, I don't know if I enunciated that, but bit parts, not big parts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> big difference, big big difference. Uh, uh, and uh, I think that would be that would be really fun to just kind of like see where you could take a character over a course of time, whether it's on a TV series or you know over the course of a film. I think that'd be really cool. Nice. Um, yeah, that I mean, that's the dream, right? The, it that is, is the dream. So I'm gonna piggyback off of that one because I like I like that one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same. We'll do it together. Yeah. That sounds good. We'll do you're, it You're together. interviewing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> do, do I need to be here for this part of the podcast? No, or? no, actually. Okay, uh, all right. You're good. You probably, sh- you didn't have to be here this entire time. Uh, it's really just a podcast where I get to finally talk like for a long period of time and people have to listen now. That is true. They, they, <laughs> they it is a requirement of a podcast that you have to listen. You, so I'm you, you've talk, done it. And you're going to fucking listen. You've done it. You, I've done it. I figured out. out. I figured out my medium. The medium that fits me best is just podcasting because I could just talk forever. Long form. Yeah. Long, long form. form podcasting. Uh, an hour three of co-worked. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, do you prefer movies or television? Uh, I think movies. I'm always going to be a movie guy. I don't even know I mean, what look, you thought I'll about take, that. I'll take either. But I know, I mean, but I don't even... You didn't... I know that answer for you. You didn't know I can think about that. I think you know the reason why I paused it was like, I'll take either, but really movies. Movies. Like, who am I to have a preference? Is yeah. like what I was really thinking. Like, I don't deserve a preference. I'll take what I can get. Yeah. I'm like a, a junkyard dog getting the, the scraps that fall off the table <laughs> of the family I don't belong to. So I'll take it. It's a very, very specific analogy. I've thought of it a lot. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite movie? Even if oh, it's just like currently, shit. even if like you love a bunch, but like right now, this is kind of what you're feeling. Because I th- I know that as a fellow film lover, I know that's a hard question. It's a corny movie, but I always go back to the movies that really got me into filmmaking and made me fall in love with it and made me fall in love with movies, not even just filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So it would have to either be, I mean, these are all Spielberg. So it would have to either be Back to the Future, which Spielberg produced, mm-hmm. or the last crusade that third indiana jones movie i'm a sucker for a father-son story i always loved that character yeah i don't know and then i guess like i'm cheating here but like et but normally when i answer that question i either say back to the future or last crusade i i, I would lean towards back to the future just because i think it's just magic mm-hmm. and it's like it's also like one of the strongest arguments you have for just a tight 90 you know they don't do yeah. a tight 90 anymore for the no. most part. Now everything's like two and a half hours. Yeah, two like fifteen, two and a half. I mean, they're good. They 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 move along, which is good. But sometimes, but is, sometimes that's true. Not all the time. I always, I almost most two and a half hour movies. I'm like, I have notes. I I could have. Yeah, I could. Could've, we could have thirty. We could have done without that scene. Cool. Thanks. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I get. I I I hear you on that. Um, what's your favorite quote? Movie quote. Let's just go because just to stick with that. 
I have one that you say all the time, but what I want it? it. I no, I'm not going to say it. I want to know if this is the one you're going to come up with. <laughs> you know, I could say one that's like prophetic or or or, or, or not prophetic, uh, found or or one that like I feel like has a uh, a lot of good to the world in terms of the uh, the insight it might offer, but. If I'm just going to the quote that I think of that makes me really happy, and I say it a bunch, it's kind of hot in these rhinos. Does pop to the top of my head. I do love it's kind of hot in these rhinos. I think that might be my favorite movie quote of all time. From Ace Ventura, when nature calls, when he's, of course, stuck in a rhino and it's too hot. Yeah, that was my number two that of the one that was like that's a possibility that you were going to say but the one i thought and kind of hope you were going to say was the al pacino because she got a great ass you oh, got a great <laughs> um it's uh i don't know why i i, I think i just think it's really funny it's a funny line it's crazy that somebody put a pen to paper and wrote that yep um i was also thinking of um uh, we're gonna need it we're gonna need a bigger boat yeah there's uh, another good one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a lot I of good mean, Jaws quotes. Jaws is like, I mean, Jaws is, as you know, is like my favorite. That's like my number one. Always is your quote the entire uh, Quinn speech when he it's talks the, about the yeah, uh, it's the, the entire uh, Quinn speech. The USS Indiana or Indiana. That's right. Uh, that's right. Black eyes like a dog's eyes. eyes. Shark go away. Sometimes you wouldn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, That's actually Mari's favorite horror movie of all time. So good. But, uh, okay, where am I? Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Gotta be fuck. I mean, it's really it's a good. good one. It's a good one. Solid. What, what's your favorite insult to give or to receive? <laughs> to give or to receive? I don't know if this is an insult, but I do get a lot of pleasure out of someone telling me to shut the fuck up. Uh, I don't know why. That's a bad impulse to have. Sometimes they could be joking. Sometimes they couldn't be. They they might not be joking, but it always does tickle me. I love how uh, you're like, I get pleasure out of someone telling me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it means I've done I've done something uh, to elicit that sort of reaction, and that that excites me. That's amazing. Uh, and I also tell Shane to shut the fuck up all the time. You do uh, tell Shane to shut the fuck up a lot. And, and, it's true, and he, as he does to me. It's, it's yeah one of our the core facets of our of our relationship i know what or who is your biggest inspiration oh man i don't know i, I like from a career standpoint sure it's probably i don't know it's probably either kobe or spielberg but like in life probably my mom that's a great one that's a great one your mom i when you say career standpoint, Spielberg, I like, that's why I thought you were like your number one quick answer. But I know you love Kobe, but why as a career <laughs> was he, is he your biggest inspiration? I think it's the work ethic. Like, cause he was so, he, he was always trying to work out, work everybody. And uh, sure. I, I, I resonated with that. That also is like heavy into the Asian mindset of just like, leave nothing left on the table and sure. let the results, you know, fall where they may. Uh, I, could, I could get behind that. And also, it's one of the few ways where I could sleep at night. Because if I don't feel I gave 120,000% and I left even a little bit in the chamber, it'll haunt me. Especially if the outcome isn't something that I wanted. Whereas if, like, I give it my all and the outcome isn't what I hoped for, I could still rest easy knowing that, like, there wasn't anything I had left. And, and that was kind of, like, his, his whole deal was about that. And then in terms of Spielberg, just, like, uh, 
his creativity and his world building and uh, just the way he carried himself seems just like he's the I'd love to work with Spielberg. Maybe. Yeah. No, oh, man. That's yeah. a real that's a real crazy thing to say there. I'd love to work with Spielberg. I'd love to yeah, not many people have that wish. No. Uh, no. Final one. What's something you love unconditionally? Popcorn. My wife is a close second. The popcorn is number one. There's now does Mari know this? Does Mari well, know that that's probably, the probably, that's the order? She'd probably be surprised if it wasn't, to be honest. <laughs> and to be fair, popcorn has been along around me longer than she has so that's true it's i me and popcorn we go way back i mean like, I, I can't imagine the first time i had it but i do remember that yeah, i must have been like three watching et i mean down some popcorn I've, one i've caught you looking at pictures of popcorn on your phone um <laughs> and uh two i will say i've always loved popcorn love the movie popcorn grew up doing it always love popcorn i don't think i turned into like what you described as a kernel head until you and I became friends. Like, I don't think until I started hanging out with you and Shane more like my popcorn, like intake has like quadrupled because like, I'm kind of obsessed with it now. Yeah. So we, we could 10 X anybody's popcorn taste. If you give us the chance. Yeah. Shane and I, honestly, we, we, we should sell a popcorn, like our version of a popcorn. And we've all, that's something I've been trying to kick around uh i don't know i just it's so fucking beautiful yeah it really is it's so perfect like and here here it, he is it, dreaming about popcorn it brings me joy like instant joy there's nothing that just like wow yeah i could be in the worst mood i have like a handful of popcorn my day's a little better guaranteed it's never going to be uh worsened by popcorn so. right of course not it's great it's the, i'm gonna go have some right now I I want some right now. It's 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 it sucks that it's not the greatest for you. I feel like, but you know, yeah, it's not. If I have to live a life without popcorn. It's not yeah, worth. Living. It's not. It's actually a, a a decent snack as long as you don't like put too much shit on it. Which like I put a lot of butter and a lot of salt on it, so it's it kind of kind of and I eat a lot of it, so like it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> but it can be. It's... It can be a healthy-ish snack if you're if you do it in a smart way. In moderation, and I yeah. don't ever do it in moderation. I do it right. in 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 a portion sizes of buckets. Yeah. So you know, yeah. one bucket. You've, po- two you've posted videos of you popping popcorn, always shirtless for some reason. So it's just it's like because it's my midnight snack. I, I don't sleep with a shirt on, and I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, don't, I, I don't I, think you should. I'm not asking for an apology. Uh, I love it. I love. I love. In fact, I might pop some tonight. Hey, you should. And I are going to watch Blair Witch Project, and we're going to oh, get yeah. some popcorn. The OG, the OG. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, I just what did I just, oh, I just watched The Ring for the first time in years. I haven't watched The Ring in so many. Oh, the movie years. slaps. Oh Bill man, Mabinski. yeah, very good, very good. I was like, what? You know, Kate was out, and she came home, and I had just finished it, and she was like, "Were you watching The Ring by yourself?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, I do shit like that all the time. I like, watch what, horror she, movies. I watch she's scenes the, on YouTube. Yeah, she's not gonna. Yeah, me too. I watch horror scenes, like horror movie scenes on YouTube all the time. Yeah, it's great. But, you know, it's like Kate hates horror movies. She's not gonna watch it with me. Like, who else am I? I'm not gonna wait around to watch it with someone. I don't want to watch. Yeah, it. that's I'm true. Watch it. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I love you. It's, it's always been a pleasure working with you, and so fun talking to you. So. Oh man, I love you too, dude. And thank you for having me on. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I, yeah, I'm honored.
even if you only slotted me mid-season. Unbelievable. Couldn't even make the top half of the of the cut. Well, maybe you'll That's be the okay. Maybe you'll be the final episode. Maybe I'll rope it in. It's no, like it's the, too the late long now, dude. the long the damage awaited... has been done. Hey man, I knew I'm exactly not... I knew what your programming schedule was. I knew what you intended it to be. And, I'm just and I'm just going passed. right now in order that I've recorded, but I can mix it up. I can you could be the long awaited last final episode you know hey look man that's your your, your prerogative you, it's your show dude you do what you want you do what you think is right and what you feels right in your heart and uh i hope that you'll make the right decision but see see you say that but i feel like you're you don't mean it i feel like you're saying something else why would you say that i don't know what you're talking about uh, hey why don't you do me a favor and shut the fuck up there it is yeah why don't you shut the fuck up oh, yeah. hey, there we go now we did it all right okay i'm cutting now and that was ryan bergara it's always fun to sit down and talk to ryan obviously we talked for a very long time in so far co-work's longest episode so if you stuck with us the entire time thank you so much I'm sure our babbling and blabbing and silly movie references caused a couple eye rolls, but you know what? That's just us. That is just us. Ghost Files Season 2, out now. Don't forget to check that out on Watcher's YouTube channel. Also, if you're hoping to get some tickets to the Ghost Files Tour, there are some seats left in a couple cities all in November. There's San Francisco, two in Los Angeles, and one in Las Vegas. If you're looking to get any of those seats, don't forget to go to watcherentertainment.com slash tour. Well, this has been a pleasure and a gift. And that's it for Coworked, Episode 3. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we'll see you next time.